0: So, start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on slash recommend today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about prime time matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: Log TALK RADIO
2: Hi, Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fensider with the PH.
3: Fensider Radio, Thursday night. My name is Keith. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, let's see here, man, I got some, so much going on on Twitter. I feel like my head's going to explode from everything right now. So pretty much, uh, uh, I haven't some, uh, oh man, I'm having some technical difficulties. I think my, the site just went down what I'm looking at. Uh, we're here until probably about, mm, we'll say, uh, 1030, maybe 11 Eastern, depending on, uh. Exactly, if we're able to get through everything we need to get through. Uh, boring week for the Dolphins. They're uh, possibly uh, looking back at this week. Um, oh, what is, what is going on here? Sorry, it's, it's madness going on right now. Uh, I'm having a bunch of technical difficulties. But what I can say is many people saying that the Dolphins just made arguably the biggest free signing in well over two decades. In terms in terms of the league, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, it's an exciting time. There's a lot going on today. That's I think that's part of the reason all my stuff's going down right now, uh, just looking at it. Uh, recently just came in that we signed Jordan Cameron. That's exciting. Takes a lot of pressure off in terms of what's going on with uh, Charles Clay. Uh, words coming in that the Dolphins are not going to rescind the transition tag they have on him which is awesome. So looking at all this right now, it's it's funny that day one was really quiet for Miami. Uh, by the way, all of uh, my stuff's back up now, so I'm no longer in crisis. When I apologize for that first few min- minutes of just complete buffoonery on my part. Uh, so after a really quiet first day, everything is just absolutely exploded as we expected, it, it would. We, we figured that the, the Dolphins were going to back off of it in light of the news that came out Tuesday, that the league was looking into uh, "quote unquote" several teams regarding uh, violating the, the legal tampering period. Which it, I'm a, the irony of them violating a legal tampering period isn't lost on me. There's a lot coming in there, uh, a lot more will come in. So we figured that was uh, that was going to be the case, and it was. Signing, didn't, the Sioux signing, the Indomitian Sioux signing, the big one, didn't come in until Wednesday, but when it did, it came in with a bang. Uh, I'm joined by Duke, my uh, faithful co-host. He is the Glenn Campbell of this show. He is the Rhinestone Cowboy uh, of the Finnsider. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. All right, yeah. I'm just I'm just glad all of our equipment's back up and working. I actually was starting to break a sweat there. Uh technology will fail you at the, the worst possible moment. So we're we're past all that now. We can go ahead and talk about just the uh, the absolute roller coaster of events that have taken place within the, the past forty eight hours. Uh we'll start with the big one and that's the big kahuna. It's in Dominican Sioux in Miami. Uh probably the, the thing that shocked me most isn't the fact that uh, we signed him. It's the fact that the Jason Cole report that came out Saturday indicating that it was a lock that Dominick do, was going to sign with the Miami Dolphins uh, in free agency w- was true. Because usually when stuff comes out like that, we, we expect to get punched in the face with with some sort of last-second um, development. But that's not what happened. It, it all worked out. at all came down according to plan. So how how do you feel about it? How did you feel when you got the news on Saturday that this thing was going to happen? And how did you feel technically Wednesday when it did happen? Um, Well, I didn't really hear
2: that it was official until Sunday. Um, I saw some tweets that said uh, that uh, Detroit was backing out Oakland wasn't in it, and Sue was going to Miami. And then it was kind of one of those, yay, we got him, but he can't really sign until Tuesday. So it was kind of like, "Well, let's just wait until it happens because, you know, and I don't know. It's just something about being a Dolphins fan. You just kept expecting it to be something's going to happen, something's going to happen. And then you had Frank Gore going to the Eagles and then doing a uh, 180 and saying, no, I'm going to, Indianapolis and you know of course every Dolphins fan who's sitting here cheering about getting Indomitian Thu thinking oh crap who's going who's gonna to step in with some ridiculous offer on Tuesday and then Tuesday comes and nothing happens uh, you know Dolphins wise um, you know it, you, would have think, you would have thought Indomitian Soos signing somewhere would have been the biggest story but it wasn't on Tuesday uh There was all those other trades and stuff going on. And then Wednesday rolls around. Nothing's happened yet. All the beat writers are saying, it's going to happen. Just let it happen. And then there was the tweet sometime around uh, 3 o'clock or something maybe that Dominican Sue was in Miami, and somebody had a picture of him at Ross, and and then Sue coming into the building. And then it was like, this is happening. This is really happening. And then... uh, after it was announced and of course right as it happened um sorry of course right as it happened uh I wasn't able to, to check up on Twitter at that time but I was able to get on right after the press conference and it was like, you know, it still hadn't struck me that it really happened. But uh yeah and uh so I watched the press conference, watched his interview with the other Finnsiders, and uh it's just, you know, it's just hard to think that here you have this guy who was a, uh, you know, you have this guy who was a uh, an all-pro defensive tackle, a Hall of Fame caliber type guy, and he's on your team now. And everyone on the defense is going to be better because of it. It's just incredible to think about. And I put out a tweet today that said, uh, I, I got it from Pro Football Focus that said, between between Cameron Lake and Indomiton Sioux, they combined for 122 pressures last year, and now they're on the same team.
1: Well,
3: it's amazing, but the, the thing that's really amazing, and it's really an unfortunate circumstance for Detroit, you almost feel bad for them, is a lot of things came together for, for them to not be able to resign this guy at a comfortable price. You know, I mean, that's the – I mean, they're essentially punished for hitting right on, uh, what, three top two draft picks within four years uh, with Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, and Dominican too. They hit right on those picks. Unfortunately, they hit right on those picks pre-current CBA. So, I mean, they got all this money allocated towards those guys, and unfortunately, someone had to go. And, and, I mean, for them, it's the, the franchise defensive tackle to do-it-everything, or the do-everything uh, interior defensive guy who has just been an absolute wrecking ball since he entered the league in 2010. We're going to go to the phones real quick. We're going to have a lot of calls tonight. Uh, I want to go ahead and remind anyone out there that if you're interested in calling in, go, go ahead and give us a bus. three four seven three two six nine four six one. 347-326-9461. All of our equipment is now functioning. My my board is uh, lit now, so we're not going to have any more uh, panic blackouts or anything. So give us a call. If we don't have a lot of callers, we'll bring you on for a little bit. Uh, if there's a long line, what chances are, we'll answer your question real quick and then go ahead and hang up. We're not hanging up on you because we dislike you, just so you know. Uh, it's nothing personal. We just have a lot to get through the night. Uh, I'd like to start with our good friend, uh, Dolphin Fan for Life, who wants to go ahead and weigh in on quite a few things. So, what's on your mind, buddy?
4: Um, well, first and foremost, uh, interesting week, right? Um,
3: yeah, to say the least.
2: That's I, an it's understatement.
1: a
3: <laughs> yeah, no, severe I'm... understatement. As good of a yeah. week as you're going to experience if, as a Dolphins fan non-playoff win type of type of victory for these guys. I can't remember the last time I felt this good being a Miami Dolphins fan.
4: Well, you know, um, I know a lot of people are talking about well, what happens when Sue gets suspended or you know, this, that, or the other thing. And I wanted to reiterate something I said on a post earlier. Um, that in Miami, soon, while he may be the guy, he doesn't have to be the guy on defense like he did in Detroit. You know, a lot of the stuff after, even before and after we signed him, I read about him and stuff like that, about how he's a very private person and, you know, he respects who he respects, blah, 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 blah. But... You know in Detroit, he really didn't have anybody that he respected well enough that when he was about to lose lose control that you know they could pull him to the side and be like, "Hey, man, you know you can't do that, blah blah blah, you know, whereas here you got not one but two of the top one hundred players voted from the n f l for the last, I don't know how many seasons, and you've got Cameron Wake, who, I mean, let's face it, Cameron Wake, with or without Sue, is a ten plus sec, a season guy. You know, he, he's no doubt proven his worth, and on top of that, he's pretty much the only person that I know. Where Sue can look at him and be like, yeah, this guy worked hard to get where he's at. You know, went from undrafted free agency to, you know, not making it on the Giants. To selling shoes, I think. To going to Canada and playing for the Dolphins and making it on the top 100. You know, voted by his peers. So he looks at players like that, and now you have and l- let's face it wake wakes a scary dude, you know he's one of those quiet, reserved he's not gonna be in your face, he's not gonna grab you by the helmet or anything like that. He goes on the field, does his job, gets off the field, you know and guys like Sue respect guys like that. Detroit really didn't have a Wake presence or or a Grimes presence to really, when he's losing his cool like that, to say, hey, you know, look, calm down. It's going to be all right. Um, What, you know, I don't, think he's going to be as much of a problem especially with the treatments that he got although from what I read he didn't really like the fact that Hickey and them only showed up with like 25 minutes to spare because he wanted to meet like Warren Buffett or something like that
3: but well, I mean the one thing you brought up and I want to go ahead and go through a couple things and we'll get to our next caller is first and foremost, people are starting to come back to him being a a quote-unquote dirty player. And, I mean, the evidence is there to suggest that, yes, he did play on the edge uh, in several instances during his time in Detroit. I don't have a clear reason for that. I do think that when Jim Schwartz was there, I think that there was uh, an emphasis on playing with an edge, playing on the edge. I think that was why they had a big interest in Nick Fairley when he came out in 2011. He played on the edge when he was uh, with Auburn, uh, especially if you watch the the Georgia game from 2010. Uh, So there's an emphasis on that. I I also agree that there's a ton of leadership in Miami right now on both sides of the ball. I mean, obviously you've got Ryan Tannehill uh, getting it done, uh, and well, Pouncy too on offense. On defense, it's it's still Cameron Wake's show, and I think that those two are going to make a nice a nice pair. Uh, I'm also excited to see how Olivier Vernon blossoms as a result of this. I think he's going to go off. I think that he's the he's the guy who gets who gets less attention because Indomiekin Sue is. Uh, is on the football field, and I think that that's a very, very bad thing for Miami Dolphins opponents in 2015. I mean, and it's exciting I really, too. I really think it's
4: more going to be Earl Mitchell that eats the most because of this. I mean, he showed a lot of promise in Houston. You know, as I'm a nose. Like, yeah,
3: I agreed, but I'm talking about just pure explosive splash type plays on the defensive line, I think you're going to find them from Olivier Vernon. Though I do agree that this is a, a huge opening, uh, literati- literally and figuratively, for Earl Mitchell. Because, I mean, you've got all these guys who can fight through double teams. Earl Mitchell is supposed to fight through double teams. And now you've got a guy but, in Ndamukongu who's just a proven penetrator. Sometimes having two guys on him is just not enough.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, Earl Mitchell is right. going to play the one to- Earl Lynch was going to play with one tech, and he's going to get single-team just about every
5: time.
4: I do have Which, one quick question before we hang up. There seems sure. to be an arms race in the AFC East. I mean, the Jets with, well, pretty much pick a name, and they tried to sign them. Buffalo Bills doing their thing. And New England, of course. Doing their little thing, who do you thinks really improve their bottom line without bias?
3: Uh, I mean you have to give it to I mean Buffalo and new york have have done good work in free agency. I still think that Buffalo was foolish to part with Kiko Alonso. I don't think that I mean in the they might see some bang for their buck short term. I don't think that was a smart move long term. I think that it's it's not easy to find three down linebackers of this caliber. I think that and they I mean they don't have a quarterback, which I mean somebody brought up a couple of nights ago, uh I think it was the show that Chris and I guessed it on, uh, that the the Bills are kind of like us five, you know, four or five years ago, adding all of these, you know, adding running backs looking for these these splash-type players outside of the quarterback position. And I think that that was a really fair point. I don't remember who, who made that point, but I couldn't agree more. But, I mean, New England adding Jabal Sheard today, I think, makes them the winner just because they were already in, in a good position, and now they just got more dangerous because that guy has proven that he plays well with his hand in the ground. We hear a lot about how guys are more comfortable standing up. Not really the case for him. So, I mean, we're going to go ahead and uh, let you go, and you, you can listen to the rest off air. We're going to move on, but thanks again for calling in. And as always, it's always great to hear from you. Yeah, same thing, man. All right, we hope to hear from you soon, buddy. All right, bud. All right, good night. Yeah, this, this, uh,
2: yeah, he. he <clears throat> excuse me. He's got a good point. The, the, the AFC East went from being a kind of like a, a, a down division. Now suddenly I mean, you've got yeah, obviously you've got the, the, the Patriots and Tom Brady. You've got the Jets now with Revis. You've got uh you've got a good defense and Rex Ryan up there in Buffalo. And now Miami is bringing in Dominican Sioux and it's kind of like, you know, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fierce division.
3: And uh I think it I think there's potential for it to be the best division in football. I know that a lot of people would argue that it's the AFC North, um, and I know previously it was thought to be the NFC West. I, I can tell you it's no longer the NFC West, although St. Louis has made strides and Arizona is looking good. Uh, speaking of the AFC North, I want to go ahead and bring on our next caller uh, from South Florida, and he is the only man alive who's upset about the Jordan Cameron signing, uh, Lewis. I'd say I
6: was upset. I'm, okay, I'm I know, okay. I know.
3: I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm. Given you some some crap, it's good to hear from you. Um, we 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 we've discussed the whole and can do thing uh, a lot, yep. you, know, you and I uh, on air, off air, the the past week. So we'll move on to the today's big news. Aside from the the rumors that the Dolphins were looking to jettison Deion Jordan for an offensive lineman, which uh, may or may not catch the fancy of Dolphins fans. I don't know. I have my own opinions, but what did you think of the Cameron signing now that it has happened?
7: Well, I'm perfectly fine with it. I mean, look, it it, it really boiled down to the whole idea of people telling me that Charles Clay is an injury risk, but Jordan Cameron, we should try and uh, sign him because he can be really great. That was the only thing that got me mad about the whole Jordan Cameron thing is that people are – Throwing double standards at me is the same thing with NoShawn. Is he has injury risks and he's going to get hurt. So Jordan Cameron is not. Somehow we're going to assume that uh, when we go to Houston or where, or wherever, if Houston comes to us, I don't remember is it is Houston a home game or an away game? I don't remember.
3: I don't have it in front of me. I just know that we. I think it's it. a home game. Okay. Well,
7: when what happens when Houston comes comes here to Miami and. DJ Swearinger is going to see that Jordan Cameron's brains are one hit away from leaking out of his head, and he's going to put lay the wood on him. That's the kind of thing that has me worried about Jordan Cameron. That's all.
3: Are you, are you I'm not saying that DJ, DJ Swearinger is uh, is a predator to every uh, tight end for the Miami Dolphins.
7: It's starting to so look that suggesting. way,
3: isn't it? It's uh, first Justin Cameron. Swearinger guy, hits it, people hard. First. Yeah, well I, I'm still upset about that Dustin Keller hit. Uh, that guy can go ahead and talk about uh how clean it was all 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 he wants, but the way I looked at it, but uh, he he didn't need to hit him there. Um if, it, yeah, if he's a real hard hit, uh, if he's a real hard hitting safety, he could hit up top.
7: He'll hit wherever he's gonna get wherever is gonna hurt the most. For Jordan Cameron, that's his head. So he's gonna leap up in the air and knock him to the ground.
3: And what is this talk about brains leaking out? Concussions. Uh, yeah, but it's he doesn't have Ebola. Didn't somebody say that last night? It's not, yeah. not like every it starts leaking out of every organ. Yeah, that was Biggie. I I've had a concussion. I can tell you that does not happen. So uh, you don't
7: get you don't get sarcasm either, do you, Keith?
3: No, I just like to go ahead and uh pray on on sarcasm on air. This is my show. You okay. can't show sarcasm, only I can. Uh, but no, I, I understand. I understand the the concern, especially because if you're if you're making a considerable signing, the con- the concussion stuff is scary. And like, I'll give you crap about it just because it's funny. But I do agree that it's something uh, early, especially early on in the season. Whenever he takes a big hit, we're going to be holding our breath. No doubt about that. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. That said... Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I'm not debating. Thing is he? He is an outstanding red zone weapon and put up impressive numbers when he was healthy in Cleveland, despite the fact that he didn't have the around him what he'll had in Miami.
1: Yeah, so I'm not debating a, a, Jordan
7: Cameron's talent. I'm not debating Jordan Cameron's talent. I'm well aware that when he's healthy, Jordan Cameron is way better than Charles Clay, just because A, he's taller and B, he's a better target for Tannehill. I understand that completely. I'm not debating Cameron's talent. The only thing that got to me was, are we really going to bet on 7.5 million on a guy that all he needs is one hit and he's done for the season? Because, like, with all kidding aside, his brain's going to get bruised. That's not that's not a good thing. Three concussions in two years is bad. That's why the whole keeping Clay thing was more my style because I'm less worried about clay's knee which got a scope and something went wrong then um cameron getting his brains knocked around clay managed to play through his injury now he's had a full off season to get it better he should be good to go people are telling me he's injury prone after one injury you don't get you don't get injury prone because you got hurt once so that that's kind of like saying well, even after all the hits that Tannehill's taken, all 139 sacks, plus all the hits that don't count as sacks and all the hurries and all that stuff, if Tannehill finally gets hit too hard and he goes on IR or whatever, he's injury-prone, that's just not how it works. And that's not how it should work with Clay either.
3: I don't know if I'd use the, the tag. It's funny to, to refer to Clay and, and say tag. I I wouldn't call him injury-prone. I mean, he obviously fought through injury last year and was in – was in a precarious position, and there's no doubt about that. I right, but
5: there's a lot that of people was, saying. Uh, that. Well,
3: I mean, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of people saying there's a lot of people who believe a lot of the stuff that goes on uh, uh, on the internet, viewed by certain people. I don't, I don't even. I mean, that's what it is. But this is what this is my take on the whole Charles Clay thing, regardless of what happened. Okay, more or less with that transition tag, the Dolphins placed a figure on Clay indicating perceived worth. So the problem with that is when a team comes along like Buffalo and says, we don't agree with that perceived worth, we will give you more money because we think you're worth more, then the problem becomes twofold for the Miami Dolphins who have placed the tag on them. Number one is the fact that you've got a team coming along that values your player uh, per transition tag more than you do. So do you challenge your preconceived notion of that player's worth? And number two is because he was hurt last year. I'm not saying he's injury-prone, but he was hurt. So are you betting by spending more money on him, are you betting that he's going to return to 2013 form when he was an absolute terror, just absolutely slaughtered the Steelers uh, at Heinz Field in the snow? I think that's a game that won won a lot of us over. Are you betting that you're going to get that back by spending more money on him? I mean it's a problem and it becomes like I said it becomes multidimensional and it's a tough one. You're seeing that they're going to keep the tag on him. They're not going to let him go quietly into the night to Buffalo, which I applaud them for. I mean you got to make it hard on these guys if they're going to go ahead and try to try to pluck the low-hanging fruit that is the transition tag. But I mean okay, I get so... those it. but I I also agree with you that I don't think he's injury prone. I just think that last year yeah, he had that he had a nagging injury his play suffered as a result of it. And fair or unfair, it's playing a role in what kind of money he could get from his still current team right now.
7: Okay, so let me ask you this. You mentioned the transition tag is not going to be removed. So let's just be hypothetical here. What do you Mm -hmm. think the chances are Clay stays anyway?
3: Uh, I think... I think they're better than than we suspected, because like I said, a lot of people. I think that if the Dolphins were just gonna were resigned to the fact that he that he was a goner to Buffalo, I think he would be in Buffalo right now. Well, I it think could be
7: more of a strategic thing. It could be strategic. Make it harder for Buffalo to do, sign him.
3: But wouldn't would, it, would it, you you value him? And why? What's the number one reason you value him for? I don't want to speak for you, but it's his chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, no? Those two clearly yeah. are on the same page more often than not.
2: Here's an yeah. interesting tweet I saw from Armando. It says, Miami keeping tag on Clay ensures Bills cannot offer cap-friendly to them. Deal still have to make it tough on Miami Vests themselves. So basically, by Miami doing this, they're going to force Buffalo to pay Clay maybe more than Buffalo wants to pay him if they want to keep them. Otherwise, Miami gets them at their cost.
7: Yep, I,
8: and
2: that,
3: that sounds, kind of sounds
2: like that
3: sounds Miami, like a thing. And, and that so like it. Just, that's absolutely that's it. and Miami's front office is firing on all cylinders right now in my opinion. These guys are getting it right. So I I applaud them for pulling this. And I hope I mean I'm I'm hopeful that Clay comes back. I don't want to lose Charles Clay. I think that there's I'm one of the people who thinks he can get back to 2013 form. I don't want to gamble on it at a high dollar amount, especially when we just we just absolutely broke the bank on on the the Moby Dick that is in Dominic and Sue. We we just landed a, a, a free agent of epic proportion, and that's not even hyperbole. So yeah, the the staff puts us in a little bit of a tighter spot, even though I realize that his cap fit the first year is almost laughable. Here, too, is when when it gets down and dirty. But I, I don't want to lose Charles Clay. I, like I said, he won me over big time in 2013. He was a, a multifaceted weapon for Ryan Tannehill. I remember in the Patriots game, he was just a menace, the second Patriots game down in Miami. He was an absolute menace that day, and I loved it. Those are the kind of games that win fans over. And I think between that and what he did uh, in Pittsburgh outstanding
4: so man all I'm seeing is
7: I like, said all, all I was going to say is that I'm, all I'm seeing is my long time wish of the Gronk Hernandez fantasy coming real if they have if he happens to find it
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I've been begging I, I, for I that
7: for years years I've been begging for something like that
1: years
2: yeah, having having Clay and and Jordan, and then throw in Sims into that mix, um, you know, you uh, that's a pretty potent combination because you can do a lot of stuff with that. And uh, the other thing is it makes wide receiver little a little less of a glaring need, um, assuming they keep Wallace, and you've got Jarvis Landry, so you've got two proven receivers. Um, you know, you may not necessarily you, you may not need to add a third in free agency, I'll put it that way. Um, you've got some guys that you can throw to now, um at the tight end position. So i you know, I, I would like to see them retain clay as well. One thing I want to add to the Jordan Cameron signing is what uh what I've been seeing on Twitter about it is that he let me get it pulled up real quick, is that he uh part of his decision for coming here was uh,
7: Tannehill.
2: It's Ryan Tannehill. He says uh, it was a he, uh, Adam Beasley tweeted. Cameron told my guy Greg Likens that Tannehill was a big part of the Dolphin sales pitch, a big part of my decision. Times have changed. So
1: yeah, yeah, right.
2: You know, yeah, you know. So you've got these people who are out there, you know, you know a, a few, and they know who they are. That are bashing Tannehill, and now you've got guys who are saying that they want to come play for him. Um, you know, well, to so be fair, uh, the
7: other option was Cleveland, and that's Josh McCown and Johnny effing football.
3: Yeah, yeah JFS, I mean, you don't play for free. Hey, do you guys, do um, you, want, you want to take, or Louis? do you want to help us with a question submitted via Twitter? Uh, we can, we can do all right, what do you got? Sort of, well, well, think it over, please, and then get back to us. Uh, Patrick? Uh, Mullen submitted a question and I'll ask you this first and then I'll turn it to Duke because I'm interested to hear your guys' uh, respective answers. What do you think the low cap figure this year for Sue tells us about what the Dolphins plan regarding the rest of free agency? Do you think there's something up their sleeve? Or do you think that they're just leaving room just because, just in case? If we're in on all, if
7: we're in a win now mode, like Tannenbaum has said, and he's already shown that he's willing to look down the, gu- the barrel of a gun, pretty much, I'm willing to believe that they have something going. Whether it's clay or whether it's if, if they're saving money for clay, then I'm all for it. But, oh, let's get clay in here, and we can have my fantasy come true for once. And, or, another option could be that. We really are going to trade Deion Jordan to Philly, and we're going to get Evan Mathis, who, according to Pro Football Focus, has pretty much been the best zone-blocking guard in the NFL for the past four four or five years. So I'd be good with that. We finally get the Great Wall of South Beach. If that happens, everything that I have said that Tannehill needs has come into place. We have an offensive line. We have all the weapons we could need we have our defense with King Sue anchoring the defensive line with Wake there. You can bring in someone else, you can bring in one of the young guys to play the other linebacker spot or if LB restructures, you just move him there. I mean, there, what's there we've filled everything. With if we bring in Clay and we've managed to trade for Mathis, I'd say we're good as far as starters go. We can move on and make do with other spots elsewhere.
2: How about you Duke? I don't think it's going to be like a, another big signing. I think it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be pieces in place that they if they wanted. Um, I mean, I, I remember reading uh, a while back that Jordan Cameron was on their radar. Um, if they bring back Clay, I, I mean, I think that's going to about do it. I don't think you're going to see a lot of other. Uh, major moves unless something just out of the ordinary happens i mean um, I mean they're having a fire sale down in uh in New Orleans, and there may be you know someone someone that could be had there um, Keith, I know you and I talked about um uh, Armstead back in the two thousand
1: thirteen draft, and um uh, oh, we we just I yeah, mind him he,
2: coming in. Plus,
3: because it's, I mean, I liked her Armstead, and that was just the most freakish 40-yard uh, dash by, uh, I guess you'd call him a fat man I've ever seen. That guy could just move. And I i know people think, like, well, what does that matter for an offensive lineman? When it comes to stone blocking and you're looking for advanced mobility in a lot of these offensive linemen, that kind of stuff, not so much the long speed. Obviously, you're looking for more cone drills and whatnot. That kind of stuff will catch my attention. Normally, I mean, I just like watching the offensive linemen zone because it's, it's amusing because those guys are enormous, but yeah, I like Teron Armstead. The only big ah. move that I'm
7: waiting for is Evan Mathis. That's all I want. Evan Mathis, because okay, cool. with the O line, he's protected. We're good.
3: All right. Well, I normally I would uh, go ahead and discard you for the next caller, but I want to go ahead and bring on our our friend Brian from the site because there's questions I want to ask both of you. So I, I oh, the Terrible, tur- cool no, that that that's, that's
7: James the turtle is James. Brian's the one who gave James the turtle, right?
3: You lost me at hello. I'm just going to bring him on anyway. Uh,
5: (laughs) What's going on guys?
3: Not much. It's good to hear from you. How are you doing?
5: I'm just trying to keep up with everything, man. Shit.
3: (laughs) I hear that. All right. One question I want to ask you and I'm going to pass it to Lewis and, and Duke. I like being the, the question facilitator tonight. Uh, so this rumor comes out and I don't know the validity of it because I, I was out all day. I had a lot going on and I wasn't as uh, locked into Twitter as I usually am. But the rumor comes out that Beyond Jordan is on the trading block and we are looking for Evan Mathis. Number one is what do you think of that deal? And number two, the obvious follow-up, would you do it?
7: Brian, you want to go first?
5: Sure. sure. Um, Short answer, no. I would not do it. And that means nothing to Evan Mathis, who I would still be interested in trading for. Um, I believe that Dion would actually end up hitting us with uh some cap penalty and um you know, if you get rid of him and bring on Mathis, you'd you'd have to pay for for Mathis salary.
8: Um
5: but however I think the Evan Mathis idea is definitely one that we should be exploring. Um, I'm not sure who the caller said that, you know, they were trying to fulfill their wish lists, but the only glaring spot that I see on the roster right now, that one guard doesn't. I think all of us are expecting Billy Turner to come in um, after showing some promises, you know, good run blocking. And uh, regardless of what happens with our tight end situation, um, you know, Sid was a capable blocker. Clay is not really a strong suit, but he can hold up. And Cameron's a pretty big body, too. So I think is going to have some things up his mind, even if we don't keep Clay, uh, which I think a lot of us are hoping we do. But as far as Mathis, I think it's worth a late-round draft pick. I think you can get Philly, who, you know, right now even predict what they're going through and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, I think you can entice them with, the, you know, a fourth, fifth-round draft pick. And, and, you know, regardless of age, Mathis was, you know, uh, according to PFF, one of the, the top run blockers. He fits the scheme. It doesn't mean we can't look to the draft to get his replacement or successor. Uh, I like the idea. I think the idea of Tanhill with a line of Albert, Mathis, Pouncey, Turner, and James... Looks awesome on paper. Uh, regardless of all the other moves we're taking, you can go on ahead after that. See what you think of that idea.
3: Well, well, the the one thing I want to bring up before anyone else speaks is that. So, Chip Kelly has made it clear that he's into acquiring players he coached in college, or I yeah, <laughs> should say, at his, at his at his former job at Oregon. Yes. So, Many jokes have been it'll, made it'll, in favor of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, NFL Network yesterday had a bust-up with uh, like Philadelphia fans calling into radio stations to rant. I don't know if you can find the audio from that. If you do, I highly suggest you do. I don't care how bad of a day you are having. It will <laughs> make you feel better. It, it is <laughs> incredible. And I'm I could go on about this at some other time. So... The thing is, is so we have I wouldn't call it leverage, but we we he has tipped his hand in that we know he wants his former players. And Deion Jordan was a big time contributor at Oregon late late in his career. I remember his. Uh, I think he got hurt in the game against Kansas State. The, I believe that was the Fiesta Bowl. But I mean, I, but prior to that, he he looked great. He looked great that season. He had an outstanding combine. That's why we we moved up the draft at number three also presumably because Deion Jordan probably goes number four to Philadelphia in the 2013 draft. I don't think many people would, would dispute that that projection, that assumption. So the only thing I worry about is we have routinely misused Deion Jordan in his time here. And is it something where Hickey and Tannenbaum, because they didn't draft him, that guy, uh, Deion Jordan, is the end of the, the Jeff Ireland legacy in, in many ways with that big move in 2013. So do you go ahead and stick it out and hope that your your Keystone Cops defensive coordinator gets it together and thinks, you know, maybe this guy's a strong side, onside linebacker? Or do you go ahead and wash your hands of him and take a player that fills, as Brian said, uh, arguably the biggest the biggest hole on this team's roster right now. Okay,
2: well I have two things to, to say toward that. Uh, number one, Please. isn't isn't Deion Jordan a guy that isn't that a, a reason why you go out and get a guy like Indominus Sue? So a guy like Deion Jordan, his life will be easier on the field. Yep. I mean, that that makes. Sense. More sense to me and say, hey, let's, you know, they said we want to build up the defense, and you've got this guy here, and has he produced great as a defensive end? No, but can you use him in a variety of ways, like we, uh, like we talked about? I think it was the other night. How, you know, how many uh, front seven players are you going to feel comfortable with lining up in coverage on Calvin Johnson? The uh, the second thing is
3: the answer is one.
2: Yeah. And we have him. The, the second thing I want to say is, I believe Tannenbaum was on an interview today, uh, one of those radio stations, and he said that the Dolphins see Deion Jordan. As, they said, you know, he, he fits well at the defensive end, or he could play the Sam. So it's out there that maybe there's a possibility of a of a position switch. If that's the case, I wouldn't trade him.
7: Okay. Um, before I talk about that, I just wanted to tweet. I just wanted to read this tweet, and uh, I don't know how interested you guys are going to be in it because of the source, folks. The odds of Charles Clay playing with Jordan Cameron are zero. That's all caps. Who pays their tight ends fourteen million? Can you guys guess who, asked, who said that?
5: I love Omar well, Kelly. <laughs>
7: that would be correct, sir. <laughs>
5: Omar Kelly, which is, if you think it's funny, uh, about 20 minutes ago, just tweeted out: "I literally have no idea what's happening with Clay and Cameron, but apparently okay, now well, nobody has, did. Appa- yeah, apparently well, that's what happened. That, that, that's what happens. he literally
7: he has one uh, of his signature so put
2: right. <laughs> He literally should have just stopped it. Stop when he I have no idea,' and just
6: stop. Yeah, it. that would have been perfect." <laughs>
7: Well, well, I can answer the question for him. If if Hernandez had not turned out to be who he was, I'm pretty sure the Patriots would have paid both Gronk and Hernandez big money because that's a big part of their offense.
3: Correct. That's a very good point. So, and you know that was not not only that a, a big part of their offense. Their offense was built around those guys. Outside of Tom Brady, I mean those those guys were the show. So yeah, those are
7: that's the kind of team that would pay their tight ends 14 million. But since we're the Dolphins, we don't do stuff like that, right? So.
5: I mean, they're different players, but I understand your point, obviously. Yeah. You not know, making that that comparison as of yet, but, I mean, you look at a guy like Jordan Cameron, and if there's a tight end out there, when healthy is the closest thing you're going to get to Jimmy Graham. I look at a guy like Jordan Cameron. I mean, obviously the keywords are when healthy, but Jordan Cameron is the exact red zone uh, tight end we've been looking for since Randy McMichael and, um, you know. I just go back to the previous point where it really does help out. You know, we're we're sitting at 14, even if these are the moves we make. um, And the wide receiver obviously doesn't – it doesn't seem as pressing now. Uh, Obviously, if there is a guy available, you know, uh, like a Parker or a Cooper that drops, which could be a possibility, and you never know, um, you you look at that opportunity to possibly bring someone on board. But – it, it it's kind of like the Sioux signing where, you know, Danny Shelton seemed like the most sense if he dropped the 14. Now Miami's just giving themselves more opportunities to set up with more options. And I I honestly can't be more thrilled because I think what they've done this offseason off season is just very smart. They're giving themselves a lot of outs and it, it, it's they're just setting themselves up where it looks like they have a less chance to fail, if you know what I mean.
7: Yeah. I get you. It's, and truth be told, let's be honest about this. If Gronk and Hernandez had both stayed in New England, they wouldn't be making like only seven million a year. They'd be making something more like nine or ten, both of them, because more. that's the kind of players they are. Agree. So, like, no, we wouldn't. They wouldn't be paying fourteen million. They'd be paying more like twenty. So, now let's get back to the whole Jordan and Mathis thing, which is what we were talking about a minute ago. I, I was willing to do the trade when it was rumored to be a draft pick or something. I am not willing to give them Deion Jordan. I mean, all the stupid Philadelphia duck jokes aside, uh, Jordan is hopefully, hopefully the staff has finally figured out that Deion Jordan is a slot, is a strong side linebacker and he's not a defensive end. That's supposedly what they're trying to convert Chris McCain into, which I'm good with because as Danny Williams mentioned to me earlier today, uh, McCain spent his full time at defensive end in college. So I'm perfectly fine with uh, McCain being a defensive end because that's what he's used to doing. We're not trying to teach him how to do something else. We're putting him back where he belongs. That's perfectly fine with me. Jordan, on the other hand, is way better at coverage, and I want him as a linebacker. I don't want to move him. And even though Mathis is, is pretty much the best guard for the past four years now, I wouldn't be willing to give up too much for him. There are there are options. There are options out there. But if they're willing to trade uh part ways with Mathis, then absolutely I'd be willing to give them a fourth or fifth round pick. As long as he's as the only thing I'm scared of is that he's actually rumored to go to New England now and that would pretty much be the Patriots' answer to us signing Sue Get the,
3: block the best defensive tackle with the best guard.
2: The coverage thing is, some, is interesting because that was actually something Tannenbaum mentioned in that uh, that interview that he had was that uh, they liked his ability to rush the passer and that he can drop back in coverage. So, uh, you know, maybe they're coming around a little bit. I mean, they, I don't know. I think they can use him right. Uh, but I'm with you now. If you send him Deion Jordan, I want to pick back along with Mathis. So we'll give you Deion Jordan for Mathis and a... Third and or something, you know, get creative with it. I would do that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't just send Jordan for Mathis.
7: Well, we could just, we could see how desperate he, is, uh, Chip Kelly, is to have another duck on his team. Let's like, What are you willing to give us for Dion? Give us Mathis and who else? Who
3: else you got there? That'd be fun.
8: I'm
1: just
3: wary of being ripped off by Philadelphia the way they ripped off Buffalo. No offense to LaShawn McCoy. But, all right, I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next caller. It's been great having you guys. Hey, Chip did a great
7: job. Chip did a great job. He's got DeMarco now, and he's got Kiko Alonso. And, hey, for LaShawn McCoy, that's not so bad.
3: I know. These teams allow allow Philadelphia to rip them off. Although, if you hear Philadelphia Sports Radio, that guy is an absolute uh, pariah, if you will. So I I don't think they like change out on the East Coast, but I'm not sure. We're gonna go ahead and move on to a very uh, familiar <laughs> caller. So uh, great it was great hearing from both uh, Lewis and Brian. So I hope you guys will call in next week too, and we can go ahead and uh, chat about probably the resolution to what we're discussing right now with Evan Mathis. Okay, guys, we'll see you.
1: Right, I appreciate that. Appreciate
3: you. Take care.
1: Hey, later, everyone.
3: <clears throat> actually, uh, I just uh, realized that because the board moved too quick and I just hung up on our caller, so call back, please. In the meantime, well, uh, while we wait on, on the mystery well, I'm guest. Watching,
2: uh, I just want to go ahead and say I'm watching uh, I'm watching path to the draft right now, and they actually have the Eagles draft war room, and they're making the picks. And one of them just gave the Eagles Philip Dorset in the third round. And I'm sorry, but you cannot have him.
1: Yeah. Uh,
3: mystery caller, reveal yourself. Hey, guys. It's Kevin. Ah, uh, yes.
1: <laughs> I'm, uh,
3: a, I'm a
0: mystery caller now.
3: <laughs> well, not anymore. You revealed yourself, which is oh, uh, okay. which is wonderful because in a lot of ways, just like Duke is the rhinestone cowboy of the Finnsider you are its Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Just
0: pay no attention to the ex- man behind
3: the curtain. Except that you have left hair. So you don't I, have I that, do that have little freak, that freakish curly thing that uh, uh, he had going on. So uh <laughs> busy day. There's a lot we want to run by you. Good, to, You don't call in more often, which actually upsets me a little bit. Uh, I, I definitely I gotta... try
0: to when I get a chance.
3: Let's run it down though because I haven't we haven't really heard from you much all week. Just uh quick takes on a few things I'm gonna run by you. First of all, and down sue. How happy are you?
0: I love I love the move. Um it's 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 a lot of money. I mean, and and I can justify it because that's what he's worth. that's what he was gonna get. It's not like the Dolphins were bidding against themselves here and just threw out ridiculous amounts of money. I I think that if anybody was going to do that, somebody like Jacksonville or uh, Oakland who have to spend that much money in order to get up to the 80% by next year, that could have made sense to bid against themselves just to get that money spent. But Sue was somebody who they're the, the Dolphins desperately wanted and he was going to get that type of money no matter where he went. So I I think that it's an okay amount of money. It's just a lot to sit here and look at and go next year's salary cap is going to be a pain, especially as they try to figure
3: out what they're going to do with Ryan Tannehill. I agree. Let's move on. Uh, Jordan Cameron today after, after rumored flirtations with them, it's a, it's a done deal. It's two years, seven, seven and a half million per, uh, I personally think he think he looks like a cleaned up Paul Gasol. Uh, pr- pretty uh pretty awesome the guy is a monster. What do you think? Yeah, I think
0: I I you know Keith before uh, before the deal got announced when it was oh he has resigned with Cleveland, I was out I was out I was away from the computer so I was trying to find somebody who could post and then as I'm trying to deal with that, then it popped up, oh, just kidding, he hasn't signed back with Cleveland. It looks like Miami, and then the news did come down that, yeah, it's a two-year, $15 million deal. I love it. Um, I And the Dolphins have not pulled the transition tag on Charles Clay yet. They still supposedly are working on a deal to try to keep him, too. So if you can pull that off and you can get Clay, Cameron, Deion Sims, and whatever Arthur Lynch becomes, your tight ends – make up for the fact that you don't have somebody like Brian Hartline or Brandon Gibson. So they're building the tight ends to replace what they gave up with the wide receivers.
3: This is a new look offense in a lot of ways. Uh, It really is. Last year, last year what really hurt us was that lack of size we had in the, in the red zone, even though we saw some great strides from Jarvis Landry um, really all through the season, but especially late seemed like he, he was really putting his route, his route running and his upper body strength to use. And he was tough to jam off the line and he was making a lot of things happen in the red zone. So that was nice to see, but all of a sudden you go from, from uh, that sort of offense where you're looking, you're looking for that size and you're looking at the draft and thinking, what receivers can we bring in to bring that? Now all of a sudden you think you still want to bring uh, receivers in via the draft, but Size isn't going to be as much of a concern right now because you just brought in Jordan Cameron, who is pretty much an old tree.
0: Yep. And as long as he's healthy. And I wrote this uh, earlier today. I think I wrote it on the site. I may have put it on Twitter that the concern with Cameron is obviously the concussions, but that was the concern for Daniel Thomas for a couple years too. And the Dolphins went out and found a helmet that worked that stopped Thomas from missing games due to concussions. So there may be some way to help Cameron not have that same problem. So if you can solve that issue, you probably aren't going to have that many other uh, injury concerns with him. So you do. You end up with a guy that you can put out there in the red zone and just throw the jump ball and let him go get it.
3: The Dolphins are getting a lot of praise on Twitter from from beat writers around the league, from a lot of NFL network guys saying that while oh, they're trying to extend Charles Clay, they lock up Jordan Cameron for two years. And Ian Rappaport of NFL dot com said that's a smart, quick move. I agree. The thing is they're and they're being proactive. Instead of sitting back and waiting, they're they're going and getting the guys that are gonna not only take their offense to the next level, but make things infinitely easier for their franchise quarterback.
0: Exactly, and I saw it yesterday
3: that people were
0: talking about it, that if this Cameron to Dolphins thing did happen, that the thing to remember is it doesn't make it a mutually
1: exclusive
0: Clay or Cameron, and that no matter what happens with Clay, the Dolphins should go get Cameron, and now they've done it, and they're trying to keep Clay too, so it does. It adds weapons, it adds size, and suddenly – what looked like a need may not be anymore.
3: So this is the obvious question. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask it. Of uh, I'm going to throw the same question at Duke. Jordan Cameron now in the house officially. Charles Clay isn't isn't gone yet. So with that number fourteen pick, what kind of? Re- I mean, are you just taking the best receiver available, or do you go ahead and tailor? Your exp- or you tailor your criteria a little bit now that you've got this 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 boon in size at at, uh, at pass catching positions in your offense.
0: I probably am just going with who's the best available at that point and just grabbing anybody. Um, if this Evan Mathis trade materializes for whatever the pick would end up being then you absolutely just go it doesn't matter just grab any skilled player at that point even even you could even consider as crazy as it seems in today's NFL grabbing a running back at that point i mean i i the, the holes just aren't there maybe maybe you're still looking linebacker um maybe if you really want to push it you could try to grab a cornerback at that point but the holes just aren't really there anymore so it really is a best player available type of draft. Could you got, could, could you see oh, a offensive lineman if the Mathis trade doesn't happen? I guess so. If you're really looking, but 14, and I know we say this every year, 14 seems kind of early for a guard. I, I guess it just depends on how much the coaches trust Billy Turner and Dallas Thomas to become
3: guards. I know the word is that they're they're extremely high on Billy Turner which just makes me feel yep. so good because Duke, Duke and I spent a ridiculous amount of time watching his tape last spring. We were all about that guy. The thing is that we we liked him as a tackle too. We didn't necessarily have intent for him to play as a guard. We just liked his style. We liked his athleticism. Showed good strength on tape. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry,
0: sorry, I just I, – I, to completely interrupt you, I just I'm reading through Twitter right now, and Dave Hyde tweeted – it was 17 minutes ago, but I'm just catching up – Dolphins deciding now which players reportedly signed by other teams they want.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're
0: just going to go grab anybody we want at this point.
1: <laughs> exactly. We're just we're
3: we're just tyrants in the free agency game.
0: Uh,
1: I don't. <laughs> I'll,
3: I'll 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 set this up for uh, Chris because Chris has an idea for a corner at number fourteen that we briefly discussed last night. But first. Chris, what are you thinking at that number fourteen spot in terms of receiver? Does it alter your criteria at all, or are you still dead set on, on who you're looking for? Or do you want to trade up even? Uh,
2: I think you, uh, I think you do whatever you want, really. Um, you know, we've we've seen some, uh, we've talked to some folks that said that they're pretty high on Parker and Cooper. Um, I wouldn't mind them going up to get him, them. Uh, Ian Horton, this at NFL film study put a tweet out about an hour ago and it said low key if Miami resigns Clay uh, in uh, parentheses I think they're likely to do it, Todd Gurley is a de- is definitely in the discussion at 14 I'll be truest BPA pick now I'm tired of all these people ripping off my mock grass ideas I <laughs> said that I said that last week but that is absolutely a route they could go <clears throat> um, so they could do anything they could trade down um pick up some extra picks. I don't think they're gonna move up really high if they move up. I mean, um it depends where uh, the first domino that's gonna to have to fall is Marcus Marietta. Um, he as soon as he as soon as he goes off the board, then some of these Q B needy teams, or let's say Tennessee takes him at two, then teams like the Jets, uh you know, they may be looking at receiver, even though they brought in Brandon See, Marshall. Uh, you know, they may be looking at another
3: guy. So um, I'm seeing conflicting. Where Cooper's going to fall? What's going what's gonna to happen with Mariota? Which is, I mean, that's an interesting domino to fall because I'm seeing that Tennessee likes him. I'm, I am we have all seen that Philadelphia 100% in if he falls to six and the the New York Jets at that spot. I saw something yesterday saying that he is an absolute lock to go to Washington at five if he makes it that far, which is an absolute disaster when you think about how much they gave up for Robert Griffin three years ago. So I'm just saying, I mean, it's all over the board, and, I, and I'm sure 99% of it is misinformation, perhaps 100%. I mean, you have to yeah. think he's gonna, he is going to go somewhere before us, but as to where, I have zero clue. And, and
2: where he goes could determine where some other picks go. So I don't know how likely it is for um, for Cooper to fall, but, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, Washington to take a receiver. The Jets may not, but you've got Minnesota in there. Cleveland's going to have to, because they are trying to rebuild the, the 2012 Miami receiving core because they signed Brian Hartline and Marlon Moore. So... <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they saw. So, yeah, it's kind of bad there. Um, they're pretty much a lock. The Raiders, you figure, are going to take a, a guy at number four. Um, so it, it's all going to depend on, on some stuff there. And another guy, another domino that could fall that a lot of people are talking about is uh, because the Jaguars signed Jared Audrick, they may not be going after Leonard Williams, which is kind of a popular pick at this point. Um, if he falls to number four, uh, so let's say Marietta goes two, uh, Jaguars take a pass rusher, Beasley or Shane Ray or whoever, and and, and they're sitting there at number four. You know, does Oakland take a guy like Leonard Williams? If that's the case, everybody's kind of got Kevin White mocks there. Let's say, let's say the Redskins take. Uh, another pass rusher. So you're sitting there at six with with the Jets. Uh, you know they take whoever. Let's say you're, let's say it gets to seven and Kevin White's sitting there at seven. Would you go up to Kevin White at seven?
0: I probably I mean, would. I, I
2: I mean that's I mean that's kind of what we're looking at. I mean because any of this stuff can happen, and because you're addressing some of these needs in free agency, you've kind of got to. Uh, you know, you've got some, some wiggle room there. So, you know what, I, I'll be willing to give up some stuff to move up to, from 14 to 7. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. And, but I know what, what Keith was getting at earlier about the cornerback, um, <clears throat> a guy that is probably not on any Dolphins radar right now and not a whole lot of Dolphins fans' radar, is Marcus Peters. But... Uh, Keith and I watched some tape of him last night. First of all, the dude has vines for arms. I mean, so what these, do you, I say,
1: me look.
2: these long arms. And uh, I think it was Tannenbaum that said, you know, cornerback is a, it's a key position. Now, he's gone out and got that Bryce McCain. He's probably going to battle for the slot position. But even if even if Jamar Taylor starts earns a starting job this okay. year,
1: okay. you
2: still got to deal with uh, Brent Grimes in a couple of years. You know, how how long is he gonna stay at a high level? So that's a guy I think some Dolphins fans should should uh, keep their eye on. I could see you know as long as he did well in the interview section. I think that's a a pick they can make. I
1: honestly have no idea what I want to do.
0: I I think that's it. I think it just it's such a best player available. This is. For years we've had this debate on the site of what is the right way to do the draft. Is it fill the needs that you have or is it just take whoever's there and plug them in? And you you look at Deion Jordan and tell me that wasn't best player available pick there. But we have yet to figure out how to p- plug him in. Um, no, we know how to plug at, him in. That, well, yes, but not, we uh I blame we, we you grabbed, I
3: blame you
0: you grab a player who everybody said was a reach and i know that duke you hate that term you grab a player who everybody said was a reach in juan james because that's a need position and he obviously starts from day one and he does okay now were there some struggles especially once he moved to the left side yeah of course there were but that's a rookie getting experience and you're you're filling the need but when you get to the draft and there's not a blatant need in the first round, this is the year to just do best player available. And it
3: doesn't matter. You just take whoever's there. Twitter is a fire right now. Talking about how beautiful Jordan Cameron is. Unbelievable. (laughs) Man, it is sick. It is just like wildfire through my, through my mentions. Get it together, people.
0: I, I think you started it.
3: How did you know?
6: <laughs> yeah. That's my
3: thanks for blowing the whistle on my uh, my <laughs> other uh, Twitter Twitter handle where I go ahead and lurk and say creepy things to people. Can't <laughs> use that one. I,
0: did you Did you guys see the Sports Nation meme of uh, when Sue signed with the Dolphins and it's Aaron Rodgers celebrating? And it's Tom Brady sitting down crying.
3: <laughs> I did see that, but my favorite thing that came up was uh, who, who is that guy? Is it Dolphins haiku? And, yeah,
8: and, I think and that's uh, true. Chris yeah. and I,
3: Chris and I were just laughing yesterday because he he put up that because he obviously puts up a haiku of of everything uh, associated with the Dolphins. And I'm trying to find it right now. It said something like. Big man has arrived. Hide the women and children. Oh, he's gonna eat.
1: <laughs> and we just
3: yeah. Sat there. Enough people called out Omar on that thing that he actually corrected himself when that thing about What's the two that? tight ends at fourteen mil.
1: Oh, yeah. he said
3: there was zero. <laughs> there was zero chance that it would happen, and I saw. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't follow him, but I noticed that a bunch of people were were retweet retweeting that they were going after him, saying well, the Patriots did, and he got that a lot. And then so he said he stands corrected and uh, said it can be done. We'll see. Would be cool. Especially because I don't well, think – obviously, Clay Clay isn't a conventional tight end. And, I mean, I, right, I'm sorry to make then. this comparison because it's a terrible one, but if Clay is, is going to be compared to anyone in that Patriots offense, unfortunately, it's going to be Aaron Hernandez yeah. in, in the way that he plays. Excuse that. It I'm is. sorry. That is the first and last time I'm ever going to make that comparison. <laughs> but in terms of in terms of the two styles, I'd say that, I mean, you certainly don't, he doesn't play like Gronk. You know, he's he's a, a hybrid type back there. So uh, just some food for thought, but I, I'm still into getting multiple receivers. The thing I'm excited about is if we're getting these big body guys, I think it, there's a better chance of us going after Philip Dorsett. And I'm a huge, huge fan of, of doing something like that, I think now that you're getting these bigger bodies into the offense, if you can go ahead and and polish it off with these these guys who are deep threats, but they're also strong route runners as Dorset is he's an out he's a sinister route runner I think that's what I said yesterday the the beautiful thing about it is it just opens up the door for us at number fourteen not a fan uh one thing I do want to talk about and we we touched about it or touched on it is this old Deion Jordan, and are we trading him? Do you think we're, we're giving up down. too early on him? Wow. I have no words. Still with me. Yeah, I'm here. I strange what? With... what was that? I don't know. Strange. Uh, the, uh... Let's bring out James. What, what... James, what are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah. Hey, what's up?
1: <laughs> just just sitting here listening to you guys.
3: Uh, Kevin just streaked into the phone and hung up, so I don't, I don't know what happened there. I hope he's okay. Well, bye, Kevin. Uh, we'll hear you. that. Yeah. Good night, sweet prince. How are you, Duke? Yeah. Oh, there there
2: he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, out. Wow,
3: there there he is twice. How how do you do that? That's amazing. Magic. I was I was wondering how long it would take for people to start uh sending out pictures of Jordan Cameron's uh significant other. Uh that didn't take long because they are all over the internet now. She's a she's quite fetching. <laughs> fetching. Sounds like Austin Powers. That's funny. Do I? Fetching, baby. Yeah, so that's whatever. <laughs> it's amusing to me. Uh,
1: I, I I posted yeah, a picture of her in the, I just posted a pic of her in the live thread about ten minutes ago or so.
3: I saw that too. I'm not gonna lie. He's he lives a charmed life. He's making millions yeah, he of dollars. He gets to play for the Dolphins. So uh, uh. I have to assume his yeah. smile is bigger than mine in the morning. But you're a happy person. Why would that be? I I am. I'm just not that happy. <laughs> I, I suppose that we all have have room to grow. I guess. Yeah. If I could roll over, uh, if I could you, roll over see that instead, I'd be much happier. <laughs> what do you What do you think about this whole Deion Jordan thing? Do you think we're giving up on him too soon, or do you think that the the reward is worth the worth the the potential risk in in quitting on a or giving up on a guy who has has proven at times has flashed some Serious pass rushing potential. What's the rumor that he's that he's being traded for some thirty-two-year-old lineman? Uh, Evan Mathis. So, I, bl- I believe he's thirty-four.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know why we'd make that trade. That doesn't make any sense. They, there's, they'd have to throw in a, you know, like at least a second and a third or something. I think
3: to make that even equitable. Well, the logic behind it is that Mathis is is the highest-rated guard I think in the entire league.
8: I don't.
3: I don't care if he shows up to work every day wearing a Superman cape. He's thirty-four years old. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: okay. Well, I mean, I'm just. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan of it just because it. The the answer to Gian or the answer to Gian to Dion Jordan, I feel is an obvious one. Yeah, he's bulked up to about two hundred seventy pounds, but he needs to be a strong side linebacker. When, when you watch that man line up across from Calvin Johnson and stay with him and defend him. That's something that you need to file away as a big time skill set. So go ahead and let him do his work at the second level. You wanna go ahead and, and rush him, that's fine. Make sure he's standing up. So I'm not I'm not sure what these the the lack of flexibility or you could say the uh the preference for inflexibility with Kevin Coyle's defense is a frustrating one in that regard, which is funny because you keep hearing about how it's a hybrid defense. And yet they continue to, to try to slam a, a square peg in a round hole here. He's just not as effective with his hand in the ground. I don't know what these guys need to see for them to for them to be convinced of that. I don't know who needs to go down there and explain it to them for them to understand that. Maybe a
1: Kids do come in. I would hope that, that Hickey holds on know, to him at least till Coyle is gone, so we get somebody you know that knows how to use him correctly.
3: Well, I'm not of the mind that Dennis is someone who's ripped off easily. You know, he earned that Silver Fox uh, moniker, if you will, last year, and I think that it's funny because he he got a bad rap for coming in at the the tail end of a fiasco GM search. Although with all the problems that Ray Farmer has had. Maybe it was all a blessing because I mean that that whole text text uh, debacle that they had going up in Cleveland has just been laughable at best, or I should say uh, at at the least. So Hickey comes in. Everyone everyone treats him like he's table scraps because he was the last guy interviewed in a, a pretty broad or I should say numerous search for a GM. But he comes in and, and he picks up where we left off in terms of building this team. You know, he lands a big fish in free agency with uh, Brandon Albert. Uh, he got a lot of crap for the Juwan James pick, but Juwan James, for the most part, looked outstanding this year. He was highly rated by everyone when it came to rating the uh, the best rookies from that draft. And then I'm not sure how much credit goes to him and how much credit goes to Mike Tannenbaum, but they work together, and now all I know is we have a Dominican Sue in Miami.
0: I do want to say uh, I find it funny listening to everybody right now how much credit they give Mike Tannenbaum for making all the moves as the vice president of football operations and ignoring what Dennis Hickey does as the GM Yet, the argument for uh, or against Jeff Ireland early in his career, in his tenure as GM was that he was the GM, so he should have been making those moves, and ignoring that Bill Parcells held the same position. Mike Tannenbaum. So we're we're, we're making the arguments backwards now. I just I noticed <laughs> that today how much how much everybody said no. Jeff Ireland made the decisions when it was bad, and Bill Parcells didn't take blame. And don't get me wrong, he did get blamed. But everybody wanted to say, no, the GM makes those decisions, but now we have a VP of football operations again, and it's him making the decision, not the GM. It's like, um, we, we, this is just a couple of years ago, and we're already completely forgetting that. We're we we're, were. We don't backwards speak the previous we era.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But well, you'll, um, you'll, and, One and of the things I that noticed too,
0: is Tom Gamble was fired by the Eagles, too, and he was one of those supposed to be GMs for the Dolphins, too. That yeah, he was, was a ahead of Hickey. For
1: us. Yeah, and we were losing for missing out too. on him.
3: I don't know if it's just divine intervention or what, but everyone thought that Hickey was just like an also-ran. Like, he was just some village idiot that we, we brought in. And I don't care what anyone says. That guy looks so much like the Ted Beneke character from Breaking Bad. I don't care what anyone says. It looks like him. What
1: car- what's what's character last?
3: from Breaking Bad? The Ted Beneke. He's the one who uh, Walt's wife has the affair with. It's her boss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He does kind of look like. He's an idiot. Who, he's that idiot who's in millions of dollars of debt and doesn't care. Anyway, I hope yes. I didn't just ruin the show for people. So, <laughs> so Hickey comes in. And, yeah, just, I mean, just just totally crapped on by a lot of fans, treating it like he was just some some secondhand uh, table scrap delivered to us uh, via the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, hey, good luck with having this guy running your, your player personnel and whatnot. Uh, I couldn't speak more highly of him right now. I think that he's been fantastic. And I noticed that in that endowment can presser the other day that Tannenbaum went out of his way to give Hickey a lot of credit. Right. Uh, in, I, which did, was, I I thought I was it was impressed. really
0: interesting. Ross Stephen Ross talked all about Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum deflected a lot of it and said, "No, Dennis Hickey did a lot of all this work." It was it was interesting dynamics up there. And I know there's yeah, a lot well, made out of Joe Philbin didn't get a talking or didn't get a seat at the table and didn't talk. And you you can read into that obviously. I just looked at it as that's the way the Dolphins have always done things. The off season you don't hear from the coach. So I, I assume that's the same situation. Now, you're spending that much money on what is a player that's compared to Reggie White as um the the uh the, the greatest players to hit free agency. So uh may, maybe you do need your coach up there, and I'm not saying that the Dolphins were right for not having them up there, but it just it seemed to me like that's the way the Dolphins have always done this. The, you don't see the – during the offseason, you don't see the GM during the season.
3: Did you notice that when Jared Odrick left that he took a, a bit of a parting shot at Joe Phillips? Yeah, he definitely did. He, uh, he
8: said – What did uh, you,
3: you think of that?
0: He said um, – I'm blanking on the Jaguars coach's name.
3: Uh, Gus Bradley.
0: Thank you, Bradley. <laughs> That he said uh, when he got up there that Gus Bradley was a coach with a whole lot of energy and he, he's not used to that. And it definitely, I mean, it's definitely a shot at Philbin. I don't know that he, he meant it in the, the, as negatively as we, as fans read into it. Maybe he just is saying, yeah, he surprised me with how much energy he has. I mean, it, it very well could be, but it definitely seemed like a, uh, Shot
3: at Philbin. Oh, Kevin, you always see the positive side in things. I got to be honest. I, 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 I tried. I mean, the uh, I, the unfortunate end at it like, No, keep going.
0: I was just gonna say. I always. I also look at. Everybody has their own leadership style. Everybody has their own personality, and you don't always have that rah-rah show a ton of emotion coach. You you leave a guy like Tony Sperano who we all made fun of for how much emotion he had every time they kicked a field goal. So is it really surprising? You go from one extreme to the other. You always have the players coach versus the strict, and uh, it's my way or the highway type coach. You have the guy with a ton of emotion. Now you have the guy that shows no emotion. I mean, I, I don't fault the guy for not having emotion. I know that everybody would like to see it, and there are definitely times where I'd like to see it, but that's not the way he is. Sure, it could be a shot from Audric. I don't know. I, I, One way or the other, it didn't really bother me at the end of the day because, you know what, he's a Jacksonville Jaguar player, and it's like Channing Crowder after he left the team and uh, started going off on everybody in the organization. Yeah, you could sit there and go, ooh, that kind of probably hurt, but at the end of the day, he's not a player on the team anymore.
3: So, is Jordan Cameron going to take number 84, then? Can we just can we just make it possible for him to have that number? Probably.
1: You think say, so. Did I, it st- should be okay. Did
3: I stump, it? Did I stump everyone with that? <laughs> we've got actually some calls. Do you want to go ahead and stay on? I mean, we've got the usual crew here. Do you want to take some calls with us? Sure. That's fine. Okay. Uh, If you guys are holding, we'll actually take the guy who's been waiting the longest. Uh, Yes, caller, you're on the radio. Am
6: I on? Am I with you guys now? You You are are.
3: absolutely with us.
6: How are you guys tonight?
3: Doing good. How are you doing?
6: I'm good. Finally called in. Um, I was going to say, like you guys were saying about Hickey, you know, look what he did last year, and then look what the the Bucks who didn't end up keeping him. Look what they did. They they already cut um what's his name Collins the the lineman and uh, Goldson the safety. Michael, so. Mike, Michael Johnson. Oh, Michael Johnson too. Yeah. So, like you said, Kiki's already got a better track record than the Bucks have in one year.
3: Well, not only that, but they're uh, one of the top candidates for our job last year was Jason Light.
1: Who's with
6: Tampa.
3: Yep. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody's still a little sour from uh, the whole Ireland saga. Nobody has really any faith in the GM. But, I, I mean, even when Ireland was in, Ireland, you know, did a lot of things wrong. But there's also a lot of players on the team now that are good players that Ireland did help select. So, you know, I, I think the fans are just being typical Dolphins fans sometimes. And... uh get a little too caught up and never moving forward.
1: Well, I that, think
6: there's
0: really probably – I, I was just going to say, I think there's probably a good a good OG, bit of that because I think at the end of the day or a couple years from now when we actually look back on it, we're going to look back and see that some of these players Ireland drafted and that we all immediately uh, downgraded because it was an Ireland draft weren't that bad. And there were some moves that Ireland did that made a lot of sense. Were there a lot of moves that ultimately led to him having to leave the team? Absolutely. I'm not saying that he was good. I'm just saying that there are definitely some moves in there that we, we be following every single thing the Dolphins do. We automatically assumed they were bad moves and maybe they weren't as bad as we first thought.
3: He, uh, but then again that I goes back to, to, to be be cool. saying that I see the positive in everything. <laughs> you do, and that's fine. Someone has to. They're about the rest of us can be cynical jerks on this show. I certainly wear that hat well. Uh, there I mean, Ireland right now and in the foreseeable future will get a bad rap. But I think that his short her shortcomings were more the inability to draft receivers. Not yes. necessarily yeah, pass catchers, because he drafted Charles Clay. So you can't you gotta be more specific than that. If you just blink it and say pass catchers, well there's an example that he did find one and found a really good one. I mean good good enough that we're we're not simply gonna walk away from him with this whole mess going on with Buffalo. The
0: the, the Dolph or uh, Jeff Ireland had two blind spots, I think, and it was wide receiver and linebacker. I, I would agree with
3: that. Meanwhile, meanwhile, he could just, draft the the defensive trenches like a champ. Yeah, that yeah. Guy was outstanding and, and, when it came.
0: I think I think when you really look at it, all GMs have a blind spot. There's something that they just they don't read well for whatever reason. I think that Bill Belichick has blind spots. I think everybody has a blind spot somewhere. It's a matter of finding that complimentary scout or assistant GM or whatever you want to call it to help you make that decision. And Ireland never seemed to trust anybody to help him with that decision on wide receivers and linebackers. And that's how we ended up with Kevin Burnett and Carlos Stansby slash, uh, Danelle Ellerby slash. I mean, it just linebackers rotate through like no other.
3: My favorite receiver selection. Well, I guess we got to, we got to consider Brian Hartland too. Uh, the uh my favorite receiver selection though was uh patrick Turner
0: patrick Turner was a
3: uh yeah
2: yeah that was a that was a definitely
0: a wide receiver choice that you look back on and go, What were you thinking
3: that was a stinky selection. I wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Patrick Turner's everything I've ever wanted in a receiver, though. That huge
3: receiver, you know. Yeah, played at USC. I want to say that he was the one of the, the top recruits in the country coming out of high school. Because I want to say he was from the state of Tennessee, maybe. I'm just going off the top of my head. I want to say Patrick Turner was out of Tennessee and ended up playing at USC. And, yeah, he was 6'5". It wasn't fast. I, th- I think he was, what, like a 4'6 guy? Somewhere around there, but I mean,
6: I'm sitting really here waiting for
0: James to. I'm waiting for James to just chime
2: in with.
6: Here's his bio. Yeah, he was, he was from Nashville, I, Tennessee.
1: Oh yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> so yeah,
3: I swear, and I didn't even need Wikipedia to do it. So, uh, I mean, I understood the pick at the time, and I, that 2009 draft really should have been better than it was. Because, I mean, Vontae Davis was an outstanding talent, but there were just uh, some issues there, and it didn't work. Sean Smith is uh, still a situation that just confounds me. What did you
0: say Patrick Turner's 40 time was?
3: I thought it was a 4.6. (laughs) 4.59.
0: Okay. How? How do you pull that out of your brain? where is that
8: storm? Well,
1: it's cuz it's what i used to do
3: it's <laughs> especially 2009 cuz i think that was the first year i bought a draft guide before that i used to just do my own but i remember we we my uh my now my wife my my girlfriend at the time we were we went to florida for spring break and on the car ride back i picked up a um, like pro pro football weekly draft guide or something and i read it on the way back and oddly enough, the three players or the two players I liked the most for us at, in the first round, mind you, were Vontae Davis and Sean Smith. I figured we would get one of them, so I was pleasantly surprised when we got both of them on day one because that was when that was when drafts were on Saturday.
6: So I, th- I mean, I was gonna just say that I was the only. You can go. I was
3: I was just gonna say that uh. I mean, Ireland will take a beating, and in some regard, I think that his his legacy right now is the fact that he just wasn't uh, a likable presence from that you hear from several people. Whereas I get the impression that Vicky is respected, regarded, people like him, people want to deal with him. I, the jury's still out on Tannenbaum. That guy is. Uh, He's, he's very pleased with himself, which, I mean, he should be. If he was a part of bringing Indomitian Sioux to Miami, and all indications say he he was a part of that, then, I mean, he should be high on himself. But I, I like Denisicki. I hope that he gets the respect that he, he's due. And I think that a lot of people who are beating up on us right now about <clears throat> the Indomitian Sioux selection are overlooking the fact that we've got Denisicki handling our scouting going into this draft. And if it's anything like last year's draft, we're in good hands. For the record, Patrick Turner was the number two ranked uh,
0: player in the country coming out of high school. Okay, in, I knew he was up 2005, there. yeah. Derek yeah. Williams was one, yeah. Patrick Turner was two, Eugene Monroe was three. And just for the record, to add on to that, the 2004 recruiting class, the year before Patrick Turner, who was number two, Ted Ginn Jr. was number two, so <laughs> is apparently like the number two um, player coming out of high school in the draft classes. He was also a the number two guy band? four years ago. Um,
6: we'll probably take him this year.
0: It doesn't have it. Uh, oh. it, it was uh, Chantrell Henderson. But he
3: came out oh, I know one of, the top, yeah. one, of, one of the top guys. Yeah. He was a... Uh, and then uh, I believe that we, we have an opportunity. It could happen. Yeah, yeah which one guy. you
1: use doesn't matter. That one's closer. so, yeah. Yeah, you can lock that one up.
3: James, what are you doing? Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 I forgot I was lying. James,
0: James missed a mute button somewhere.
3: James is Love at In and Out Burger right now. Uh, the, the one thing I was going to bring up is uh, talking about these highly ranked guys coming out of high school. We could potentially take a, a number one guy coming out of high school this year if we take a Green Beckham.
0: Yeah, that would not be a bad
3: choice at fourteen either. Yeah, that that pick rubs some people the wrong way. I'm it absolutely. i all would, for it. But I'm all for it in terms of. Uh, well, the thing is, like, cause I, I feel like that pick in the past would have burned us because we didn't have the leadership on offense, especially at the quarterback position. I think that it's one thing when you bring in a, a Mike Wallace and he's already established, he's already worked with another quarterback, and you pair him with a young guy. Now you're bringing in a young guy with some behavioral issues, but maybe you yeah. let Ryan Tannehill work with him. I like that. Let Ryan Tannehill be his life coach.
8: It, Go ahead. It, it would not
0: be a bad... I mean, you have Jarvis Landry, who obviously had success as a rookie, who can relate directly to somebody like Green Beckham and say, hey, this is what worked for me last year. This is what you have to do. You do have a quarterback who's at least established. He may not be Tom Brady, Peyton Manning level, but he's at least established as the starter. There's no questions about him being the starter. So you do you have that. Um, you do have somebody like Mike Wallace, assuming he stays on the team, you have somebody like Mike Wallace, who can be a mentor. So there, there, there is the leadership in place. I know the Dolphins leadership in the locker room question of a couple of years ago, but that that's not a bad idea.
3: Are you guys cool with me bringing on one more caller? This is turning into one of like those uh, all-star jam fests where we just have like a gazillion people <laughs> up on stage. Uh, uh, I blame long, Duke. Long time, he's been too quiet. Long time caller, friend of the show, Jason Scott. How are you? Hey, good. hey
1: good. What Scott, do you want you?
3: to talk about?
1: Uh,
3: wow.
9: There's been a lot of things going on. Um, Sue. Uh, Jordan Cam or Cameron Jordan. I gotta learn that now. It's Jordan
0: Cameron, right? It's Jordan Cameron. Yeah. <laughs>
9: the other one's the defensive end, and um. We're still, we still got Clay. I'm not sure if that's for real, or if we're just trying to make them bid up.
0: We, and it very like, much so could. I wrote that in the article that that could be why they haven't pulled it. Is you you are making Buffalo have to make that offer that you can, that they know you won't match. So it it very much so could be a Dolphins play to
3: try to make that offer be higher than if he's just a free agent. So how does Hickey handle that though? What does he sit like uh, in like that that room in Scarface, like the whole like Tony Montana, like mountain of cocaine he, while he sits
1: there? He, he could. To the Charles I see decision? him.
0: I see him more, Mr. Burns, sitting there, running the fingers up and down. Excellent.
3: <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like everything that we've done so far. And I think that this has been an awesome free agency period. I think it's funny that a lot of people were upset about the fact that we were largely inactive, well, quote, unquote, inactive on day one. I don't know if we were waiting out the league police. I don't know what was going on, but a lot of stuff was going on behind the scenes, and a lot of stuff is coming to fruition now, and it appears we're not done. And we got that question earlier asking if all – if the, the thing in Sue's contract with the, the low cap at year one is an indicator that we're going to do something uh, considerable in free agency. I, I don't know. But I like the fact that we're leaving ourselves our, ourselves with options. I like not being absolutely strapped. So maybe that's just it. Maybe they just want to go in and think, like, if something happens, we can do it. If Buffalo wants will want to go right. ahead and, and try to play transition tag chicken with us. We, we can we can go ahead and we can we can get into that game because we we're paying and now can sue a uh, a uh, a laughable amount in terms of cap it, uh in uh, in year one
9: yeah can we just vote from Donna ponte for president of the United States now with that contract i mean
3: that's the that's the first woman president you want is Donna ponte.
9: <laughs> yeah, she'd get rid of the she get rid of the deficit
0: in
3: like two years. She, yeah.
0: At least Secretary of the Treasury, I mean
3: <laughs> Right, something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean she's gotta be doing something with money. It's gotta be it's gotta be structured uh-huh. as such. I don't
0: know how she does it. I she
3: she is a magician.
9: Yeah, yeah. And um as far as the Sue signing Um, something I wanted to say about that. I, the reason I think that we didn't sign him immediately after was because of the whole NFL coming out and saying, we're going to investigate to see if there was tampering and Miami didn't want to get caught again with some stupid baseless crap.
0: I think that is such a stupid thing. I don't know. Did you guys talk about this already? This stupid investigation idea by the NFL?
3: Those are Robert Robert Kraft.
1: Uh, what this, this idea that the
0: the league opens up negotiations, but you can't come to an agreement. What is the point of a negotiation? It's to come to an agreement. So if you are going to allow NFL teams to talk to representatives, they can have a quote unquote negotiating position. They cannot say it's an offer, but they can say it's a negotiating position. What is a negotiation, negotiating position going to be? It's going to be, what would we offer you if we could say this was an offer? The representative is then going to go back and say, no, we want this much. Then the team's going to go back and go, okay, we can do this much. And at the end of the day, they're going to go, you know what? If you offer me that, I would accept it. Well, if you're going to accept it, we might be able to offer you that in a couple days. You have an agreement. The right. whole point of the three-day period is to come to an agreement.
9: It reminds me of that. Yeah. It, it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where where he was mentioning, you know, the uh, the, the car rental on the guy, and he's like, you took my reservation. You just didn't hold the reservation. Right. Holding the
0: reservation
9: is
4: the whole point in taking
0: it. It's just it, – it makes no sense. It We're going to open it up and let you talk to each other about negotiating period or position, but don't call it an offer. And then, okay, so the teams aren't allowed to announce deals. How do they stop a player from doing it? That player right. is under contract with them. They're not allowed to have direct conversation with that player. Yeah. So if the player comes out and says it, the team goes we didn't make an offer it's such a stupid we're going to stand up here and say you guys broke rules and we're going to we're going to look into it and there's zero there is less here than there is in deflate gate
9: i have zero respect for Roger Goodell right now with the whole we're going to investigate this and what happened to deflate gate nothing absolutely
1: nothing you know i was on
9: I was
0: on Pat's pulpit the other day. <laughs> Ted Wells has the investigation, so you know it's going to take another three, four months, and somehow Richie Incognito's at fault. Of course.
1: And and on top of that, I was on
0: Pat's
9: pulpit, which I got banned from, by the way, because apparently they don't <laughs> like him talking about the slate gate. It was hilarious. They took it down, too, like I was cursing, and, you know, it was, it was laughable. But... um they were on there and they were saying how that that they should get the swap picks with swap first round picks with the Jets because they tampered with Revis. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you guys are calling somebody else out for cheating? Really? When
0: when this started with the um NFL saying that they were gonna investigate people for having early uh, early deals I had people on my timeline jumping on there, going, "Look, Dolphins cheating!" And it's like, "You're a Patriots fan. You're the last team on the right. planet that can say anything about cheating because you're the ones that got caught."
3: Right. Hey, can I bring up a few things? Well, of course, I can. I'm the host. Of no, the I think I think uh, you're
0: I think you're banned from bringing up anything on the show now.
3: I, one thing I want to bring up is. Uh, does anyone else think that Mike Tannenbaum looks like a or carries himself like a former child star?
1: Because I'm just looking at yes, a picture of him right now. So that is so honestly
0: true. That is a great observation.
3: Like one that's let himself go a little bit. He, in a, in a way, he kind of reminds you of that uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character from uh, that Ben Stiller movie. I think it's called Long Kissed Polly. He's just like r- refuses I was to accept say, reality.
0: You put him in, like, a Hawaiian, t- or a Hawaiian shirt and throw some aviator glasses on him, and
3: you have David Caruso.
1: There you go. <laughs> Who's
3: hunting whom? Uh, interesting. I got a couple <laughs> of things on Twitter I want to bring up. I don't do a very good uh, David Caruso impersonation anymore. I used to. It's, it's gone now. And the fact that I don't have red hair also hurts the cause. Uh, hmm. Although I have to say, all right. So, just going through Twitter right now, we got a question, and it's from Brian, who was on earlier, and he asks if we think Miami will line uh, Cameron out wide and re-sign Clay at, at tight end, noting the fact that Jordan Cameron has has Jordan Cameron has the same forty times as Brian Hartline, but at a height of six foot five, which puts them what uh, four inches above above uh, Brian Hartline and I don't think I don't think anyone would ever confuse Brian Hartline with uh, playing above the rim. <laughs> I,
1: would,
0: I I honestly I honestly thought about that that you could have um flexibility with your lineups here because you could put Cameron out wide, put uh uh Sims and Clay on the line. You could put Cameron on the line and put Sims or uh, put a uh, clay in the backfield as a fullback. So there are definitely ways you could do. If you, if you managed to get both of those guys, there are definitely ways you could play with where people are lined up. And then you could go into the weird Patriots thing and just make up who's ineligible and who's eligible.
9: Right. I was are thinking they, about how, I was actually thinking about uh, Jordan Cameron about what his contract is like compared to what we were already paying heartline how close is that I, I forgot what we were paying him this year um it it was fairly close, well, I, close think think was right at, I think
0: i think heartline was right at 7 million if i remember correctly and then uh i think cameron will come in at 7.5 average i don't know what the actual structure is but I think it. I think it was. I think it was pretty close.
1: <clears throat>
0: We're going yeah, uh, mean, take him over.
3: Hartline.
9: and I like Hartline, but
3: yeah, I, I like Jordan Cameron more than I like Heartline. Though I don't have a problem saying that. I understand that you're talking about two very different players, but if the speed is comparable, which it is, and and the height isn't. Because, I mean, you're pretty much bringing in a guy who can, who is a post presence, almost like a basketball post-type presence for Cleveland last year. And considering the Heart fact line. of how oh.
0: Heartline would have been so 7.55 five million.
1: And I think his fans yeah.
9: are actually more natural. He's a more natural pass catcher than Heartline.
1: I think
3: uh, –
0: and I think that's a valid point. I mean, he is. He he basically took Heartline's contract. Yeah.
3: We we pretty much just traded receivers, or I should say pass catchers, with, with Cleveland. And I'm fairly certain we got the better end of the deal, provided he stays healthy. Although, Heartline's had injury problems, too. So... Um, yeah, just food for thought going forward. We only have, well, we have less than 15 minutes now. This uh, this is uh, supposed to be a 90 minute show, and then it grew to two hours because we had so many friends call in, and then Kevin. So. Uh, <laughs> whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, what does that mean?
3: Kevin's not our friend anymore. <laughs> no, no te- technically he's a, what's the term, adversary. So he comes in. <laughs> He does does his comedy routine. And she's like, hey, I just want to take all the the attention because I I, I'm the, I pretty
0: I'm
3: much face, do, do that. I'm the faceless insider and all that stuff. Nobody's impressed. Actually, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. We're we're <laughs> I'm being brutal right I'm, now, but I, we're happy to have you. I wish you would call me so I'm, I'm
0: I'm kind of impressed.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of
1: a big deal. <laughs> so. Well,
3: will wind down these last two minutes while, while James and Joyce is in an out burger is that I'm sure did you get the double double animal style yes <laughs> mm, nothing like having a, they just, a dry wing man
0: they just opened up in an, an out burger right down the road from me
3: oh, I'm so jealous I've never I just, one of the few fast food, fast food joints I, I haven't had the uh, the uh, an opportunity to enjoy
1: Kevin doesn't know
3: that my favorite prank of in my life is to go in, eat an In-N-Out Burger, take pictures of it, and text it to
1: eat. It's
3: a dick move. Uh, it, and it's always a different picture. It's, it's never the same thing twice. It'll be like he's walking into an In-N-Out Burger, and it'll be like a real nice day in Texas. <laughs> And like the, I mean, cars are. Just, I mean, the the drive-through is is packed, and you see these people walking out of in and out Burger. Like hmm, that was the best fast food meal I've ever had in my life. And I'm, I'm trying to be, trying to be artistic. Take a, you, you are, you are absolutely artistic in your in your trolling prowess. I w- I will give you that every time. There are other times where he'll take a picture of like his food tray as it's just, like sitting there. <laughs> That's true. I forgot all about that until you until you just mentioned it right now. Thank you for that. And you've also done the same with Del Taco. Yeah, I have sent you Del Taco.
1: So with a uh,
3: little over ten minutes left, uh, anything on your guys' minds? Uh, I I realized it turned into a crowded point. I wanted to ask Duke uh, something uh, about Jordan Cameron. and the what do you see? How do you see us using him? I mean, do you like him mainly as a red zone guy, or do you think he's someone where he can really open up the game at pretty much anywhere on the field, especially for a quarterback who could use a bigger target or two? Uh,
1: <clears throat>
2: they'll use him as a move tight end. Um, probably won't play in line very much. Line up in the slot, maybe even in the backfield zone. Um, so that's that's kind of how I see them using him. Um, he, he's there to he's there to catch passes. You're not going to ask him to block, um, so yeah, they are use him
3: in that regard. How long before there is a pink Jordan Cameron Dolphins jersey available on NFL Shop dot com? Because it, from judging from Twitter, the women in South Florida are literally ready to line up for them already.
1: See that. Oh, oh, I, I, I
3: was
0: getting more. emails yesterday that uh, I needed to order my Sioux jersey already.
3: Yeah, I got that. I'm I, not ready to get him in until – I don't know. Well, because 90 is already taken, so either he just beats it out of Earl Mitchell or – Was 93 at uh, college? Yeah, he was 93 at Nebraska. Yep.
6: Yeah. And the reason he didn't he he take 93 90, –
3: I mean, that would be cool 93 is an awesome number. I'm fairly certain the reason he didn't take it with the Lions is because that was Kyle Vandenbosch's number when he was uh, drafted there in 2010. No.
6: So, I forgot how Vandenbosch even existed.
3: Uh, I, think, I think a lot of us have. He looked, you know, he was someone who looked like a Breaking Bad character through and through. You can just see that guy... Uh, riding the streets of the the ABQ, as they say, which, which is curiously one of one of uh, James's favorite places. He's a big fan of New Mexico. New Mexico's awesome. So, winding down here. Any anything you guys want to bring up? We have a, a an all star panel right now.
9: I think the big key for us that going forward in the draft, I think we need to pick up receivers that can catch the ball. I think last year we well, two things. I think
8: we probably overinflated
9: the balls a little bit too much, which is why everyone was no one was catching anything.
1: <laughs> I think maybe the
9: ball hopefully our
1: our trainer
9: our our ball boys learn that you have to do I mean, I'm not talking Patriot levels here. I'm talking within NFL regulations just to make it a little easier to catch, you know, and then get receivers that can catch the ball. Um, we had a, we had the draws last year and it killed us. It kills drives. Um, it allows us not to take shots to Mike Wallace. I think if we get enough receivers that can actually catch the ball, then we can take shots to Mike Wallace more often.
3: Yeah. Well, something Duke, Duke brought up yesterday, and that's a great point, we were we were looking at at footage of guys like Devonte Parker. We watched. Uh, we weren't able to watch much of Amari uh, Cooper just because we were having problems with the uh, the YouTube the YouTube player. But we were able to watch Parker. We watched uh, Green Beckham. Uh, we didn't watch Jalen Strong. But we were looking at some of these receivers, and they would just make these catches where if that ball was thrown to Mike Wallace, he either quits on it or he can't adjust to the ball or it's just it's an incomplete pass. And it was amazing how many how many balls we, we saw thrown, and we thought, yeah, that's something that Mike Wallace isn't going to catch. And Duke was right on it. Every time he saw something like that, he called it out. And that's so, the thing, okay. I
9: mean, yeah. Every year, I'm the person that says, we need linemen, we need linemen, we need linemen. I was the person that said, we should trade our whole draft and just draft that guy, Sue and now we got him for free. I mean, we just had to pay the money for him. But now, this year, I think it's different because there's so many receivers that, I mean, if Devontae Parker falls to us at 14, I mean, he's the guy that in any other draft would be the first re- receiver taken.
3: I like him. He reminds me of Jordy Nelson. Uh, I've said that a bunch on, on Twitter. He's like, except he's got great lifts. And, and I mean, his jumping ability is freakish. And you see, like there's a, I mean, Louisville. Oh, I'm sorry, Louisville. Louisville's quarterback this year uh, wasn't wasn't much to write home about. But it got to a point in the red zone where he threw the ball up, and Devontae Parker would go get it. I mean, that guy was just uh, And it looked like he was climbing a ladder, and he stayed up. He was able to high point the ball at a champ. Mhm. And I think we give so, Ryan the weapons this year.
9: Yeah, even if we have to find um, him guards another year.
6: And I mean but with Devontae awesome Parker. Yeah. What's that? Oh,
1: just yeah, something DeMonte with Park.
6: Devontae Parker, too, is uh, he's impressive when you go back and look at the 2014 tape, you know, all the things you guys were saying. But it's even more impressive when you go back and look at the 2013 games where he actually has Teddy Bridgewater. The catches that he makes, the one against Kentucky where it's between double coverage and he goes up, pulls it down, and puts his feet in before going out is mind blowing.
3: I like that one. I also loved it. He and he and Teddy Bridgewater pretty much just ate the University of Florida hole in the in the sugar bowl. So I, I think that, that that put both those guys on that notice. I just I'm a big fan of, of Parker's game as a whole. I know that some people will bring up his uh his lack of uh, ideal blocking ability. So that's something to mention. Uh, I, I know that there could be some polish in his route, which is something like if you if you draft Amari Cooper, I mean, you're getting a guy who's just a, an incredible route one, route runner, knows how to tempo his route, uh, gets in and out of his brakes, uh, no problem, it's slick, right through the route tree. So, I mean, the the awesome thing is, as, we, as we're bringing these players in, it gets more and more exciting because instead of just getting a receiver and saying, like, okay, We're going to need you to be our number one receiver. Now we've got all these guys where it's like, well, we've got Jordan Cameron now. And, you know, we don't know if we'll have Charles Clay. But now, you know, we've also got Jarvis Landry, and Rashard Matthews is still a part of it, and, uh, you know, Mike Wallace. So now we get this guy in, and it's like, all we need you to do is be awesome. Right. So that's, that's exciting. And, you know, something I love is, and we talked about it briefly earlier, is the fact that Jordan Cameron largely based his decision to come to Miami based on Brian Tannehill's presence there. That's, that's awesome. That is great yeah. news for this fan base going
6: forward. Yeah. It's just nice. So the next that time you... Yeah, think about so the it. The next people... That guy had Brian
1: Hoyer and who
9: else? Who else was throwing the ball?
1: And he was in Cleveland... He could
3: turn out yeah, to be yeah. an all-pro. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential there. So the next time people talk about trading Tannehill, well, I mean, you're not going to hear it much anymore. But when they're talking about getting rid of Tannehill and going after bowls, no, you, you you people can just stop that right now. Slap the hand. You're not doing that. So, all right, we're winding down now, and I think this is just about over. So, final thoughts. We've got uh, three minutes. I don't intend to use them all. So, uh, just round. Uh, Kevin, it's so nice to have you here. I'd like a parting shot from you. And nothing wanes will base. <laughs>
0: I forgot all about that. Oh, man, I wish I had something ready. I really wish I had had something ready. Um. No, I will say that um, I was just looking through Dolphins website and uh, the Pro Shop and NFL.com, and things like uh, an Orleans Darkwa jersey is available on there. I find it really, really interesting that Richie Incognito is still available. So if you want a Richie you, Incognito jersey,
3: you can still get it. Are you are you looking at the Pro Line ones where it's like every every player in existence?
1: <laughs> uh, it doesn't
0: list which ones they are. It just—I was just going down. So yeah, it probably is.
3: Yeah, those I, jerseys I look like pajamas. But but I'm I'm tempted to wear one out and just be like, look at this. There's a pro line <laughs> jersey. Where where Yeah, where did you get that Wally jersey? Look at it. But
0: <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad I got a chance to well, call in. Um, I don't know how often I can, but I'm glad I got a chance to call in and talk to you guys. And I'm really glad that the show is back. So that that's really my only thoughts is I'm really glad the show is back and we're able to do this again.
3: That's interesting. Why you said that I was giving myself a huge pat on the back. So I'm happy <laughs> to be back too. Uh, I'm happy to be back with Duke and James and having James produce. That scene is uh, unnecessary. So, uh, I'm also glad that everyone was able to call in tonight. Thank you for uh, it's been a it's been an incredibly exciting week of action for the Dolphins. It's probably not over. This is going to spill over, thankfully, into the draft and beyond. So for all of our callers and for Duke uh, James and our our mystery caller Kevin, I want to say good <laughs> night to everyone, and we'll we'll talk to you guys again next week. All right, shut up.
1: All right, later, guys. Thanks, Dad.
3: Just go to cars.com. It's magical.
0: Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance.
6: Pure design. Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.